Welcome to Live Sense 8. I'm Sheila Applegate. And I'm Zach Hansen. And a special shout out to Justin Applegate for the composition of the Live Sense 8 podcast music. In this podcast, we dive deep into the concepts of consciousness and other interesting trivia in the Netflix original series, Sense8. We're doing an episode-by-episode exploration of how we can live a Sense8 life, and we're also talking with cast and crew and team members of Sense8 to hear the experience from their perspective. Enjoy the show. This episode is brought to you by Tracy Wright, Conscious Parenting and Living Coach. She's shining clarity with compassion and understanding. You can find out more about her on consciouslyawesome.com. We also have Marisa Dranchak, Conscious Life Coach. Discover how vibrant life can be. You can find out more about Marisa at myconsciouslifecoach.com and Divine Phoenix Books. Books with a purpose for a positive change. Check out Divine Phoenix Books at divinephoenixbooks.com. In this segment, we talk about what's going on in the world of Sense8. August 8th has just passed, and there was a lot of celebration for the cluster's birthday, a fun time had by all. August 8th was also the date that many people unsubscribed to Netflix, and the hashtag NoSense8NoNetflix is being used to support that movement. It's important if you unsubscribe that you let Netflix know why you unsubscribed. And City Nick had posted the email addresses of all the important people at Netflix that you can write to. So we will have that listed on the post for this episode as well. Because whether you unsubscribed or not, an email message telling Netflix how important Sense8 is and how much you would like it to continue will always be helpful. A special thank you to Martin Earhart and the Sensei YouTube channel for another incredible trailer. If you check on the post, we will also share this. It is Sense8 Season 3 Unfinished Storylines. So it's a culmination of all the unfinished storylines. Excellent job again. Also, thank you to City for making the Facebook Sense8 Fandom official Facebook group public. So if you're not a member of that group now, head on over, search it, and ask to join and be a part of the family. Be sure to post on there and have this be a platform for us all to talk to each other. Today we have with us Tracy Wright, who is one of the Live Sense8 sponsors. She also is a facilitator of the Consciously Awesome program and a Conscious Life Coach. She's here today to talk for a minute about an upcoming program of Consciously Awesome, which she will facilitate. 
We are strong advocates of Consciously Awesome, in part because we are the founders and I am the creator of the program, but also because we absolutely believe that this is a perfect system to help you live the sensate life. And that's what this podcast is all about. So welcome, Tracy. Thank you very much, Sheila. I'm really glad to be here. And thank you, everybody. Live Sense 8 world. Yay. Yay. Thank you for being here. So can you tell us a little bit about the program coming up and why someone would want to take it? I would love to. It is an extraordinary program, as you know, (laughs) since you created it. But actually, it has impacted me and my 14-year-old daughter tremendously in how we interact and how we live our lives and how connected we are. My daughter, I will say, absolutely adores you, Sheila, (laughs) because she would say you get her out of trouble. But in reality, what you do is help me understand a different way of looking at her and how to honor her. And I will say that the work really comes down to me. So when I am more grounded and centered, when I am bolder in my decisions, more outgoing, more trusting, more confident, my daughter does the same thing simultaneously. And she can be in school when this happens. When I make decisions that are in my highest good, because we are so interconnected, her decisions then become out of her highest good. So it's extraordinary at how it's impacted myself and my daughter positively. I think that's so beautiful and such a potent point about this, because when we work on aligning ourselves, which is what this program helps us to do, is come to our authentic self and live from that space, we ultimately, and actually very quickly, affect the people around us, especially those that we're in close relationship with. So this carries over into other partnerships as well. What a perfect example. So Tracy, you were so impacted that you went on to become a facilitator of this program, which I am so grateful for because you are awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And in doing this, can you give us an example of just pick one client and maybe some of the obstacles that that client overcame as you were working with them through the program? I will. One of my clients, like many of us, had some fears around some relationships, father and male figure relationships. And there were fears in standing up to them and really being able to express their truth comfortably before starting the program, like so many of us. And through the program, probably halfway through the program, my client had the opportunity to be able to really stand and speak her truth to a very strong parent, father, and to some strong male roles in her life. She did it with ease and grace and didn't even realize how she was able to clearly overcome something that had been a fear of hers until I pointed out to her and then she was like, oh, right, I get it. (laughs) Yeah, that's such a powerful part of the program is it is a spiritual and it is filled with meditations but it's practical as well. So when we look around and see the changes in our life, it's pretty exciting. That's a great example, Tracy. So you have a program coming up in September. 
And this is available to people all around the world because it is done through audio and written assignments that they receive in their email boxes. And the group call is all done through phone or Skype or um, the internet, depending on where people are from. And same with the individual sessions. So can you tell me a little bit more about this program and why people might want to take it? I'd love to talk to you about the program that we're going to be doing in September. I'm really excited. Marisa and myself are going to be working with a small group of people that are poised to be able to really expand their life to its fullest potential. And I'm really looking forward to helping people look at some of their limiting beliefs and re-examine them and let go of them as they realize that they could be so much more. And I'm looking forward to helping people navigate those oceans of emotions, which are really not as scary as they may seem. They're beautiful those emotions. And as we learn to navigate those, it's brilliant, really, how life can be extraordinary. There's so much to this program that I'm really looking forward in helping these few people expand. So yay. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. And like you said, it, the, one of the things that's different with this program from some of the other ones we may see out in the world of the web is that it is personalized. So the program includes individual sessions in which you do a conscious meditation. And actually, the meditation in that is interactive and formed through the connection with the person and personalized exactly for that person. You also do some coaching to make sure the program is integrated. And then there's that community that you're referring to in this small group of people through the small group calls and in a very, very private Facebook group that allows people to share and support each other. So I'm so excited for everyone who says yes to this program. The next step for you, if you are interested, just write to us at livesensate at gmail.com and we will connect you with Tracy so that you can set up a discovery session. And Tracy, give me just a couple lines about what people can expect in a discovery session. Really, it's your time to be able to share what you're really hoping to gain out of life, maybe some blocks, some concerns. And we really talk about how I could help you achieve those and so much more. And I'll even be able to share some, a little tip to be able to get you going in the meantime. Perfect. One of the reasons we do the discovery sessions is because we want you to be successful. We want you to have your questions answered and we want you to have all the support you need to integrate this into your life. Again, this is Tracy Wright. Thank you for being here, Tracy. And the program begins in September. There are some bonuses if you sign up early, plus you start to get the community going. So it's, and this is a small group. So it's really important to act now and send us an email so that you can start talking to Tracy about this program and if it's a perfect fit for you. Thank you again, Tracy. We're so glad you're here and we're looking forward to the program. And thank you for supporting Live Sense8. Thank you, Sheila.
All right, folks, we got Happy Fucking New Year Part 2, directed by Lana Wachowski, created by Lily and Lana Wachowski, and J. Michael Straczynski. It was written by Lana Wachowski and J. Michael Straczynski. Here we go. What do we got today? It's part two. Part two. If you remember, we did part one. We split this episode because it is so big and so epic. We needed two parts. We've also talked about a lot of the incredible scenes with some of our guests, so be sure to check out the episode with Ethan Stoller, with Paula Gola, Michael Summers, Purab, Purab Kohli. Yep. I think that might cover this half. But there's some epic scenes that we discussed directly with the actor that played this scene. So here we go. We get a cameo from the brilliant Lana Wachowski in this episode. So if you're looking at the near the end of the episode, New Year's, Mm -hmm. we see the iconic hair walk by. (laughs) Yep. And I only caught this because seeing some of the behind the scenes stuff. So this is my second time watching this, Mm -hmm. right? And I didn't see it the first time, but I saw some clips from behind the scenes. And then I recognized the clip from that when I watched it the second time. And I was like, oh, my God, there it is. That's true. I mean, she does get sprinkled. She sprinkles herself throughout, which is so fun. We love Easter eggs. Moving on, there's some themes that I picked up in this um, episode or we picked up in this episode. And we have some clips we want to go over, but... One of the things I noticed is we really, so as we were near the end of last Live Sensate episode, so the first half of the the Sensate episode, Sun said something like, I think we all know how this works by now. And what I like is we're seeing more and more scenes now where they're working in synergy as a full cluster. So we have that really strongly with um son when the lawyer the the new not so on the level lawyer shows up and Nomi can you know jump in and she's already hacked and noticed that they've turned down security and uh Will helps with the handcuffs Lido does his you know magic of acting, acting. <laughs> And um, they fight together. Cavius jumps in at the end and roots him on with his cheerfulness. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, and then we see it again at the very end of this episode, um, at the New Year's night and that fight. So, I don't know. I just wanted to make note that we really have some team synergy cluster community going on It's here. picking up. Yeah. Picking up the momentum. Yeah, they've moved past the what the F is going on to let's get down to business, really. And we know what to do. So I like that. And then the other thing that I really noticed um, that kind of struck me, I'm one that likes to look at themes and um, connections and layers of things. So I'm looking through this uh, second half, including some of the first, but we're focused more on the second half of this episode now. And I'm really noticing Whisper's manipulation by pulling on Will's heartstrings and manipulating and 
alluding to the fact that he would harm his father or Riley and, you know, threatening them fairly subtly to keep Will or try to control Will to move to his side. And what I noticed is this is the same thing that's going on with Wolfgang and his gang family. So the reflection of that same manipulation from the government agency and the mafia and the tactics that are being used in here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're all humans, right? So that's why they're similar things. Whether you manipulate somebody or try to buy somebody out, like these are just normal human being tendencies, I think. Yeah. And so one of the things, so one of the things that I really was focused on, and this has to do with another podcast that I listened to yesterday clear and vivid with Alan Alda. Alan Alda is the lead from MASH back in the 70s. If you don't What's recognize... What's MASH? I'm just kidding. I really do know what it is. <laughs> he didn't know who Alan Alda was. Though. I didn't. Not but, by name. You know, so he's been in the field of acting for a life. He now has a program at Stony Brook University, helping people in science and medicine to communicate better, which is brilliant. I think this is really cool. So anyway, my daughter put me on to his podcast called Clear and Vivid yesterday. And the episode that she sent me was talking to a author of the book Against Empathy, The Case of Rational Compassion by Paul Bloom. So this really fascinated me because I think you know, everything comes back to Sense8 in my mind. And and so, and, and the brilliance of Sense8 is the layers with which it shows, right? So basically, Paul in his book, which I have to read, I only heard the interview, he talks about how empathy can lead us to limiting decisions. And that it works with people that we relate to and that we're close to. And so, we may not think of the bigger picture when we're focused and responding from empathy. And he also talks about how like one of the most dangerous people in the world would be a psychopath who was empathic because they can manipulate with it. But he talks about that was me paraphrasing. I don't know if he says maybe the most dangerous. Is he talking people. about whispers by chance? Right. So that's where I'm like, I listen to that, then I watch this and I'm like, yes, like this is really important for us to look at because we're looking at the beauty of the empathy that's in the cluster, but we also need to recognize it as the backdrop of the empathy that is in the BPO and also in Wolfgang's family. If they didn't have empathy to know what was going to pull at his heartstrings, they wouldn't have manipulation. So I just was like wow, like this is really layered and we really need to maybe deep... They weren't thoughts I hadn't had before because I do think we have to learn a healthy way of using empathy. And so I love the term that um, that Paul Bloom says it, with rational compassion. To me he's sort of talking about and maybe leaning a little to the side like I may be more in the middle but 
integration to me is compassion and rational, integrating your empathic side and your rational side. To me, that's like the ultimate goal. This is such a giant can of worms. I know, right? <laughs> we could probably go on and on and on and on and on and on about this, right? Because it's really starting to, we have to take everything into context of the human experience and free will and belief systems and all this other stuff that actually gives us our experience. So I, I think we just went down rabbit hole or could have with this particular subject. I happen to like rabbit holes, but I do know we're doing a podcast here and we can't talk forever and ever on this. But what I like to do is open rabbit holes for other people. So I think you, as the listener, should go down this rabbit hole because I'm going to go down this rabbit hole in my thoughts. And I love to hear some of your thoughts on this. Um, it's definitely not something like even if we threw out the rest of the episode of Sensei and only talked about this, we couldn't come to a conclusion even in the hour that we're here. So it's just something we always have to look. And to me, it always goes back to the technique of always being aware and always looking at the layers and again, why I like this as a masterpiece and why even though I haven't loved the BPO and the whole old storyline of we have to fight the suppressor. And, but what I do like is in this that the creators and the writers keep giving us a layered expression of this and challenging, even if not our conscious mind, at least our subconscious to explore this at a deeper level. Oh, for sure. And I think one of the the best guiding questions for life in this particular subject even, which was the title of a show of Sensei, is who am I? Yes. Right? And that that's where we get into free choice and whether we want to use rational can, empathy or compassion and then, or just have an empathetic expression or is it all relative to the situation? Right. And we've talked about this like... We kind of, we did already start this back when Caffius was slaughtering the gang, you know, how do you have empathy at that level and turn around and kill? And are you controlling it so that you can make choices that you want to from a belief system? And does your belief system change? And who am I combined with? I am also a we is a pretty powerful way to live life. It is. And then combined with I'm eternal and what is my true nature? Yes. Right. So there's another level, which we'll get to later, a little bit later. We'll, we'll dig into that, but I mean, there's just so much. Yeah. Pretty awesome. All right. So should we do some clips? We picked out some of our favorite scenes that we hadn't already talked about to kind of explore deeper and this kind of is springboarding off what Zach just said about eternal and what is beyond the physical and what are belief systems so let's play this clip Caffius and Jella on the new Van Damme bus not bad partner not bad <laughs> hey hello yes we should end of the road this is the end of our route we know. What are you doing then? Waiting for you to go back. Go? So why? I had told my friend that I was afraid to quit my job. And then I rode your bus, and I'm no longer afraid. 
Yeah? Is this your joke? No, 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 I swear. It is no joke. We heard how the spirit of Jean-Claude guided you and protected you. And helped you kick the ass of superpower. And now we're hoping that the spirit of Jean-Claude can help us. Good times on the bus. <laughs> so courage. And we've got people now, the, you know, the word's gotten now that the spirit of Jean-Claude has helped Caffius. And um, what is human nature? Well, if he helped him, let's go sit on the bus and maybe it'll rub on uh, up on us. And then the storyline of the one who it did help because he became more courageous after sitting on the bus. What do you think, Zach? He just went in there and like rubbed the lucky rock, right? right. And then he's like, oh, sweet. Now I'm courageous. I can do this. <laughs> So, so to speak. So what happened? Was the spirit of Jean-Claude on the bus helping him? Quit his job? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would say no. What would you say? Or maybe yes. <laughs> right. We don't know, right? But. The story helped him The become story. The belief. Courageous. The belief that it helped him. Right. So that is where I was kind of, I mean, we don't know, maybe Jean-Claude. human belief. But it, we know, very right. powerful. We know that it wasn't actually Jean-Claude. It was the cluster. So it's also like what people see from the outside and the stories that come aren't necessarily um, encompassing the truth of all that is, because we've talked about it hard to put it down into simple truth. But then the impact. So does it matter if these people are getting encouraged by riding a bus? Nope. I think it's just the effects that really matter, right? Like that's our experience of things. That's what's on a personal level. The only thing that really matters to us is our own personal experience. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I like, I like that Caffius is like, is this a joke? And then it's not. And, and they both kind of just like, well, all right, let's go. If this is what you want to do. You want to ride our bus. You want to pay us to ride the bus and get courage. Go for it. But um, I think the danger, which it didn't go, I mean, it's, it's fun and it's lighthearted and we all have our tools, right? And I think tools are awesome. Like, um, and they have reasons that they work. There's stories behind them. Sometimes there's science behind them. So smudging, sage. I feel better when I smudge. And people have been burning sage to cleanse spirits for a long time. It turns out it actually does cleanse the, cleanse the air from toxins and um, bacterias. So it's doing something. But at the same time, I feel lighter when I cleanse. We feel better. So I always tell people, if a tool works, use it. But know it's a tool. Because the danger comes when you invest or give your power over to the tool. Right. I agree. Yeah. So I, I mean, it's a simple, it's a simple scene, but you know, to me it was important because I think a lot of times we do end up creating problems. Like we don't go on with this storyline, but what happens if it becomes like a Mecca and you know, the stories get out of hand and, and a religion starts up around the Jean-Claude bus, you know? So it's just what we do with it. But simple beliefs and using things to support our beliefs, I'm all for. Like, go for it. Another thing I really like about this scene is 
we have some people who want to be imbued with the spirit of Jean-Claude. And then we have Caffius, who really knows what's happening to a certain extent. So there, there is something behind the magic of the spirit of Jean-Claude. It's just not measurable yet, but there is an effect. And so that's what I like, because we see that a lot in real life, too. Yeah, and I think that that it's fine and it's okay. Like sometimes when we do access information beyond the physical, we have knowledge or understanding or connection that we don't have a way to relate to other people. So it's okay. Like just let people believe if the effect is going to be the same and it's going to help them, just let them go ahead and believe at the level that they're understanding Again, then the difficulty gets if you create too much attachment to that. But this is a conundrum we've talked about before. Like, you can't relay it. So how do we just allow people to have the best effect they can? Right. And do you let, like, so for Caffius, does he let people sit on his bus because they're feeling empowered? Or does he tell them the truth and say, well, this is only my ability? Right. right. And That's does he those... know it's only his ability? He doesn't know because it could happen to other people, but he doesn't know how to teach anyone yet. So right, but they might know... as well just sit on the bus. <laughs> right. Or, or I, I don't I think this is a this is a, a philosophical debate on effect. Right. Yeah. What effects do we want to have? Because if he does leave people there and they think they're more powerful than they are, that could lead to them. Right. In harm's way. So, I mean, it's... Or if they feel empowered, but then they only feel empowered if they've ridden the bus. Then what happens if he goes on and does right. something I'm, else? I'm with you. It's it's like, who who am I? Who do I want to be? But exactly. you know, there's cause and effect. We're in another rabbit hole. <laughs> oh, no. How did we do this? <laughs> All right. Moving on. From this rabbit hole, let's find and see if we can find it. This is this is the episode of rabbit holes. <laughs> <laughs> Should we move on to another scene? This one is <laughs> well. This one is the scene that Martin had us do in Thirty Below Zero Snow. Here, to he had us reenact it for his documentary. I don't think it was Thirty Below, but it was cold. <laughs> I was the one without a jacket or mittens it might have being told like to make snowballs. <laughs> so anyway, when Martin was here, we I don't know if it's going to make it into the documentary or not, but he had us reenact a couple scenes. This one being in the snow, which was real life here when he came. But there's that whole thing that he kind of talks about learning of the romance of snow and what things look like on TV and in movies versus in reality. Yeah, that's something I, I talked about a lot. Yeah. Earlier, is just having this romantic idea because and, of that. Right. right. And I think for, for Sense8, one of the things that they have overcome is they did film in a lot of the places. So they did a really good effort of making it more real But even having done that, the kind of romanticizing of snow and like in this scene, you know, well, Kala's traveling, so she's okay. She's not going to get cold. She wasn't physically there to deal with it. But also just before we watch this scene, talking about this topic, I kind of having been someone who grew up in the cold, 
I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but there are some things from Iceland, like the scenes, which, I mean, it was really convenient for the scene that Riley had a skirt on and no tights when she gave birth in the middle of a snowstorm. But who goes out in the middle of a snowstorm with boots and no tights and a skirt, you know? I mean, sometimes we do things like that, but, you know. If anybody could do it, I think it's Wim Hof. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) That is true. I mean, it can be done, and you can adjust, and, you know, we we do adjust really quickly to weather. So, I mean, we can tolerate things, but maybe maybe in Iceland that is, and I don't know. Anyway, moving on, this is a scene when Kala experiences snow through her connection to Wolfgang and the discussion they have. Oh! <laughs> oh my god, I have never seen snow! Wow! <laughs> I'll just give it a few days and the oil and the in the dirt turns it into a mess. Why do you have to do that? Do what? Ruin everything. I don't know. It's my nature. (laughs) (laughs) No, it isn't. No? You have something good and beautiful hidden inside of you. Just as I have something dark and wicked inside of me. Perfect for each other. No. Why? Because we have changed. Become better people. What if I don't want to change it? <laughs> you do. You know what I want? Yes. I'm afraid I do. So, Sheila. Yes. What do you think about that? <laughs> to me, there's a lot in there. So, um... Well, I'm going to start because it's on the top of my head. In this month's Patreon um, bonus class, I channeled Isis. That's something, Isis, the spirit, the goddess of thousand names. And she's often spoken of dark and light being inside of all of us. So when I channeled her for this um, bonus it was so wild to me because it was before watching this half of the episode and I actually didn't see it like this episode and I didn't realize it was in this episode, but she referenced Kala um, saying about the dark and the light inside of her because she almost always addresses people um, when she begins with my sisters of darkness and of light. So the message of having both the dark and the light inside of us is something that I resonate very deeply with. I think 
it is really important for us to remember this and to acknowledge this inside of all of us, inside of ourselves, come to terms with that inside of ourselves, come to terms with it inside of our partners, inside of our family, inside of our enemies, if we have them, or our nemesis, and to realize and to look for, again, that integration or the harmony of both inside of each other. I have a lot more to say, but I want to turn it over to you and hear what you have to say. After thinking about this scene, I agree with you a lot. And the scene's actually really... Um, it's, it is kind of, kind of comical to me and they end up laughing at the end. And so what they're describing, Wolfgang is trying to say, it's my nature to ruin everything. And Kala's like, no, your nature is different. And I can see that. And then they move on to the next subject. So they're, they're trying to talk about the nature of being human. And then they talk about change and change is all there is. Change is actually the only natural thing that we have until we realize that we're not changeable. And that's why you meditate and you go on the spiritual experience and all that kind of stuff. And they laugh about change, right? It's like, it's like this little inside joke from the writers laughing about the nature of who we are because we experience ourselves in many times, in many lifetimes is, is one or the other or both, or it flip flops and all this kind of stuff. But then there's this little laugh about change. Like, no, you can't do that. We've changed. Right. And so really the nature of humanity is change. So that's what I really liked about that clip. That's interesting. And I actually have been trying to hear if it was we've changed or we have to change. Um, Cause then he says, no, we don't. So I think it, it might be about needing to change. Well, I also thought she might say there is change. Yeah. It could be all of those things. So right. to me, you're right. And then I also think about it from a perspective of evolution. So sometimes, so we, we talk about in partnerships that we are attracted to a partner who reflects or embodies the aspects of ourselves that we aren't in love with or that we've suppressed, right? So that is one form of partnership, the yin and the yang, the drawing out, the being complete so they're describing to me visually yin and yang when they describe that. So if he, if she is light and she has darkness in her, she's the white side with the, the, the black circle. And if he is dark with lightness, then he is the um, black side with the white circle. And so there is a belief that then together we become complete in a partnership and and a lot of partnerships are based on that which can be good partnerships because then we can learn and grow and get to know ourselves more the thing is we change right so by being in that partnership whether whatever form that is we begin to know ourselves more so she is becoming more attached and more aware of her dark side and more embracing of it and exploring of it simply by being in this relationship already. And the same goes for him with his good, his light side or good side or whatever words we want to use. So the thing is, 
when we are whole beings, we are not then looking for the person to fulfill us from the outside. Correct. So if they change and if they grow and if they each find that within, if they support each other to find that within themselves, then whether it's with them or with someone else, it's a whole new relationship. And if they attach originally because of that need to fulfill themselves outside of themselves, they, in order to continue a relationship, would then need to evolve that partnership as the individuals evolve. Yay, Sheila, great job. (laughs) Thank you. That's exactly what I was thinking. So... It's really and and it's and it's so cool too because they even have the white snow as the backdrop against her, you know, dark hair, bright colors and the the weather shift. Another brilliant scene. <laughs> it was. And relationships, you know, the foundation, the the purpose of all relationships is growth. Right. Right. So we don't, it's not pleasant to get into a relationship seemingly where you cannot grow and you're stuck to this original concept in which you entered the relationship. That's really difficult to uh, right. suffer through, live through, move through, whatever you want, experience through. And I think another thing that goes with this is the idea that there is kind of this theme going on and that they're deciding about whether to be in a relationship when they're already in a relationship. Like we like to categorize relationships and are we going to be in one? We really only do this with romance and sex. Yeah. But this relationship is here. It's it's forever. It's ongoing. It's in their heads as much as anything else. Like they can't get away from this. They are going to grow from this experience because it's, it exists now. And so the idea of should we be or not, or this is why we would be good together or we wouldn't, it's like, you already are. So Humans it's already are so happening. Funny. Like, <laughs> all there is around us is relationship. Like that's our existence. We relate to everything. And it can't be any other way. But we sit here and have to define relationships. Like we're not in relationship with the rest of the existence. It's hilarious to me. (laughs) That's that's part of the cosmic joke. Right? That is self-realization. Well, we know they have this beautiful auditorium that they sit and laugh at us. That's just an inside joke. Well, not too inside. I think I channeled that in the other stuff. But... It's kind of like this um, vision that I've had of all. And Zach and I joke about this too. Like when we're going through the day, we will decide, one of us will kick in and and start to see the, like kind of narrate us as if we were spirits watching us being human. Right. Or somebody from the outside looking in. Extraterrestrial spirits or whatever you want to call it. They're just laughing at us like we were made for their amusement. (laughs) But... Continuing on with this story, um, then one of the other things I like about this is then we, near the end of this scene, he says, I know what I want, or she goes, so do I, or something. So we all assume and believe, and I think that was the intention, that we're feeling that sexual attraction again, and that they want to touch and have sex with each other. And again, that's already happening whether they decide to or not, that energy is moving back and forth anyway. But 
I also think it's really important to point out here that sometimes that sexual attraction, having sex with each other is creation energy and healing and can help that yin and the yang blend and help it transfer so that each individual gets more of the wholeness. But we also see the opposites attract in sexual energy because it's that desire to complete yourself that can lead to the attraction, which is why we often see that tension played out in in storytelling and in real life when there is that yin and yang experience. So even that one little innuendo is so potent right there with mm-hmm. information. Absolutely. There was one other thing, and it's not on the clip. It happens kind of right after. And it just made me love Felix even more because so we were moving in and out. And it's funny. And to be honest, with a little more control, I do. Like I've admitted when I'm alone, I'll start talking to myself or whatever. But, you know, these guys are kind of giving into it more and they're playing it out physically would that really happen well it does happen with some people in real life but anyway what i love is when felix comes up with the girls which obviously you know now wolfgang's gonna have a chance to go do this again but um he comes up with the girls and wolfgang is like rolling on the snow kissing kala who isn't there in their world so felix says something like what are you on and can I have some? Which it seems like a simple line, but when I look at his face, to me, it's like he has some concern, but also a trust in Wolfgang. And it to me, it's clear he knows he's not on drugs and he's covering for him for yeah. these girls. But that's a depth of relationship too. Like, I've got your back. I see what's happening here. I'm not really, he doesn't look really scared. He's going to protect him, but it also gives us an insight into Felix as evolved and understanding on some level of what's going on. So I liked that part too. Excellent. So, so speaking of Felix, we can kind of move on. It kind of will lead us into our next one. He's got another awesome line, um, shortly after that, which is on Christmas Eve. So one of the things about this episode is it goes through almost a full year, but we got this moment of the, uh, even one of the things I like about what they do with Christmas Eve and shout out to Ethan and the Alleluia Choir and that story, because it's epic every time you hear it. But leading up to that, we've got the, the peace, the beauty, the celebration of Christmas right there and Christmas Eve. And that it is like an energy that the collective conscious agrees to for one night in some ways. And at the same time, there is an undercurrent of the dark. So we've got that light and dark in the same space again as still happening, even when our attention is on the piece. But, okay, so the Felix line, which is so fun and so brilliant, is, I can't get shot again. I just came out of the hospital. That would be a terrible plot. (laughs) 
so there's the conversation to the audience again, like, and then what happens? We leave this episode not knowing. I mean, he gets into a fight, and we don't know if he's shot at the end of this episode. We don't know where we he don't. is. We don't know what's going on with him. So I, I just, you know, I love those lines. I love when they talk to us, when they joke about, when they, I, I, not only do I love it, I just think it's part of the impact. It's part of why this is seeping into real life for all of us. Well, the show is a serious show in the regards that it reflects the human journey, but it's also doesn't take itself seriously. Yeah, you know? that's and it. That's it's like, I am a show. Human. Right. I am a show. And yet, I'm a show. <laughs> right. Let's have a good time. It's a show. Right. Yeah. Right. So awesome, awesome line. And then another line in there, as we look at Christmas Eve that I really love is, Cavius and his mom, and they're watching It's a Wonderful Life, I think. The bell rings. And that bell, that I'm pretty sure that's the show where when the bell rings, another angel gets their wings. And the bell does ring when they're watching it. So is that, oh, yes, I did figure out why. I'm like, I know I thought this through. The bell rings during the Alleluia choir. We don't hear the bell ring. We see it on the TV screen as Angelica is standing in that light on top of the altar in the Alleluia Choir, and she looks like the angel. Like, she's definitely there like an angel, and yet she's still, and she's emanating, and yet she's got the tornness of her life and her clothes and and all of that. So I thought that was cool. That was cool, yeah. I didn't. I didn't notice that until just now when you told me. <laughs> so, right. So, and what Caffius also says is when his mom says, why do you like watching this movie every year? And she, and he says, I guess I like what it believes in. And she says, what does it believe in? And he says, people. And then that's, I think, when we move to the, to the ringing of the bell and Angelica and like, Cool, right? Yeah. Very cool. But we do have another clip uh, that is Christmas Eve. This one is now over with Lido. So if you remember from the first half half of the episode, the pictures came out. Lido in this episode is dealing with a ramification. He's had to talk to his managers who pretty much drop him. His social media accounts are being dropped everybody's just bailing on him and he's feeling like crap and he goes home with Danny and Hernando to his mom and it's Christmas Eve and she has they walk into an empty room it's all set up for a Christmas Eve party and tabloids all across the coffee table that are about Lido's sexual orientation and his mom isn't anywhere to be seen and then she walks out she pours her glass of champagne and we get this clip my mom I'm sorry no you have nothing to apologize for Come 
here, my baby penguin. I know you could have denied it all, like so many others, and you didn't. And I have never been prouder of you. Yes, I'm your mama, and I always knew this day was coming. You know? Of course. You were too good a dancer to be a straight boy. <laughs> <laughs> you my little penguin what an incredible mother's love so this scene is so profound because in a sense it's the coming out scene the of the series really and against the backdrop of Nomi and what she's experiencing with her mom and when the scene starts Leto doesn't know he has hidden this from his mother and just like he doesn't know what her reaction is going to be, we don't either. And she then talks about how it gave her clarity and, and changed her life because she realizes that the people she considered friends weren't there to support her during that time, not to support her in her grief of her son being gay and they were trying to support her in that, but she didn't have grief. What she felt like they didn't support her in honoring her son for who he truly is. Right, but they're willing to participate in all the social goodiness of what he's gifted her. Right. So she just clears them out and claims herself and her son. There is the scary anticipation of coming out. I mean... I didn't have to come out. So to me, that was like, that got me in my stomach for him when I didn't know, like, as him, like, oh, man, you know, what's going to happen? Well, they definitely happen? set us up for that, for sure. Yeah. But then um have to point out that she says, I've always known since you were a little boy, you you wouldn't have been such a good dancer. You know, you guys just heard it, but something exactly, what'd she say? Like, you, you couldn't have been such a good dancer if you were straight or something like that. So do you remember, Zach, back? No, it's something like that. Like, yeah, no, but do you remember when I was picking up on something early on when he's being interviewed and he references his dad. Yeah, I remember this. I got this whole storyline that I thought was in there. And and then when I looked, I'm like, it's not in here anywhere. I don't know. But he references his dad as this superstar dancer. Like a great flamingo dancer. Yeah. And at that point, I was thinking, to me... It was like I actually thought I had seen the scenes. I was like, well, I knew this whole backstory of Leto. And then I was like, did I just make that up? Where his dad and his mom were together, but his dad had kept it 
his sexual orientation private because he was well known in the in the entertainment industry as a dancer and so this um generational storyline this facade and yet love within it and and Leto repeating that so earlier on in season one and at that scene I I saw all that and I was like wait did I, where did I just get that and then I was like okay it's probably not in there but that line is like wait no that is it because she says if you were that good of a dancer and she was married to his father who was an even better dancer. So not only is she saying, I see you, I love you, I understand you, but she's acknowledging the family, the truth of the family dynamic that he grew up in, to me. Excellent observation. In in my world. Right. (laughs) Maybe in the writer's world, maybe not, but we all get to watch Sensei ourselves. So it's a different (laughs) show. Exactly. (laughs) It's a different show for every single one of us. It is. (laughs) And that's a beautiful thing. But oh, what beautiful unconditional love. And Danny gets to experience that love and be wrapped in it as a opposite reflection of her family and how they treated her just by being with Lido and Hernando publicly. And then you've got Hernando. We find out his parents were killed. Um, on and he New had a Year's. great family, but they yeah, died. It's such right. a tragic, like it's just there's so much tragedy. Right. But he gets this new family, this new love mm-hmm. that she offers him. So beautiful, beautiful Christmas Eve scene. And then the Alleluia Choir, which we talked about, we're all like, Floating in this perfect peace and things are feeling really good and the music is supporting us. And then New Year's. So it don't we all feel like that? Like at at the Christmas season there's a sense of ah peace that we go through. Even I think if we're not Christian, like not believing in Christmas, I think there's for us here we've got the snow, there's a silence that comes over. And then New Year's Eve, I think we always look towards it as this moment of new beginning, of new hope. But sometimes the old stuff comes along. (laughs) I would say very often does that happen. (laughs) Speaking of which, like in the Christmas scene, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but it actually... Transitions with Whisper showing up in Will's. Yeah, like you don't even get through. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's still there. Like they're all, yeah, they were were skating and everything's great. And then he comes in. Mr. Party Pooper comes comes in. Like like, he's a good bad guy. I would have done the same thing. Right. And then Will knew he would, like that's a great opportunity to come after somebody is when they're celebrating. Right, and then he pulls on the empathy, right? And Mm -hmm. that's when he's showing himself with his with Will's dad, um, putting, giving him lots of whiskey. And yeah, like have that. Well, right, and with that, I wanted to talk about the addiction too. I'm glad you brought that up because it's just very interesting. Because he's he's it, that goes back to the empathy stuff too. Because he's giving his dad whiskey, so his dad is getting drunk, which physically we know isn't good for his dad because he's an alcoholic. But the giving his dad whiskey is to cause pain in Will, who is a child of an alcoholic. See, that that pain is 
mm-hmm. more potent on Will than on his dad. Right. Well, earlier, too, Will calls his dad. Right. And his dad basically says, I'm drinking because you're not here. It's your fault that I'm drinking. Right. So even his father is doing the exact same thing Whispers is doing. I don't love myself enough when you're not around. Right. Exactly. And so one of the things I was looking at with this is, because I've explored addiction a lot as the um, person who has had people in my life who had addiction and had deep empathy like I that is one thing that as a child my empathic um senses <laughs> were too high maybe because it just oh it just like it was like getting punched in the stomach when something like that happened so to see him do that to Will the interesting thing is Now, we've talked about this before, Will is basically taking one of the most addictive drugs as a way to solve or help the cluster, knowing he biologically is susceptible to addiction. And yet he seems to be, through the support of the cluster, it's almost like in a way it's freeing him not in this scene, because it definitely hurts, but it, it's almost like that's a way for him to break free of the impact of alcoholism on his life, too, or of addiction. Right, and it's super hard because his profession tells you that's illegal. You right. can't do it's that. Like that's these... against the law. Yeah. So it's stacked up really tight against him. So I guess to me, going back to this book I want to read, so I'll you know give you an update after I've read it maybe, but... To me, that that term, rational compassion, what I already interpret it to mean, not having read the book, but just by hearing the phrase, to me, it's kind of what Will has to do to move forward. Because if he was just acting on empathy and feeling his father, and and then how do you choose? Do I want to protect my cluster or my father? Or It's just this vicious cycle. And then you add addiction and and pain and happy fucking new year happy fucking new year (laughs) (laughs) let's get to the new year part (laughs) all right so we'll go to the clip for new year's okay all right so we got wolfgang and felix we don't know if they were invited to a party or they just show up there or whatever we assume they're invited yeah at this point it's very cordial when he's talking to him. I mean, right, so the way it's, they it's do cordial in his family. Right. We have the mob boss who gave him, who showed up in his apartment uninvited. Was He unlocked the door, had his guard in there, and he was waiting for him. And then Wolfgang rolls in there like a hard ass like he is and tells him to get the fuck out, basically. And then, so it's that guy, but he also shows up early, earlier, too, and gives him a watch. Like he's trying to coerce him to be on his side instead of the other family side and Wolfgang doesn't want a part of this. Anyway, that guy is up there with him as they enter into... It's his party. Yeah. So here's the clip. What? (laughs) Wolfie! Check out the losers! Don't do it. <laughs> hey, welcome Wolfie. 
Hello, Volker. This place is amazing. It was built on the site of the very first sector of the wall that was pulled down. The tooth, huh? All those people down there believed the wall was dividing the world, that east and west were separating people into us or them. But the real division, the only one that has ever mattered, was never horizontal. It's vertical. <laughs> Enjoy yourselves. And the angels descended upon humanity and gave them the secrets to, the, <laughs> to their misery. Holy cow, that was an epic line. Yeah? I think so. What do you think? The real division was never horizontal. It's it, vertical. It's vertical. Now, if you look at this at surface value... Zach, you yeah. have another rabbit hole. <laughs> we do. <laughs> Let's go. You have a gangster... Who owns a lot of money, and he's kind of the top echelon because of, vertically speaking, he has money, right? But that's not what the line is set up for us to interpret, in my opinion. Okay, you interpret. My interpretation is that we need to, in order to evolve our relationship with ourselves and humanity, is to grow vertically into our higher nature, I love me some layers. <laughs> I really, really, really like I'm getting off on this right now because this is this, this, this layers, right? Multiple meanings, layers of meanings, verticalness of consciousness. This is what it's all about to me. So, yeah, I think we talk about higher consciousness. We talk about moving into in the teachings I do through my coaching and through the program is about first we start with living in vertical oneness. I don't tell you that. I'm jumping to the end for you kind of near the end. But basically, I'm, I teach people to go vertical, to reach their higher conscious, to navigate those realms beyond our physicality that are of higher frequencies. So those would be vertical, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. So that's what you're talking about. So the more we expand our consciousness to include those higher frequencies and learn to navigate them, the more sovereignty we have. And the more connectedness we have. It seems so counterintuitive to go within and to connect with those parts within yourself, the, the truer nature that isn't change, so to speak, of the human being, then the effects of that are you become more connected with everything else around you, consciously speaking. Like your experience changes into connectedness instead of separateness. And that's what he's talking about between the East and the West. Like most of us, you know, I've, I've badgered this topic all the time, us versus them. It's a huge topic with Felix and Wolfgang, that theme that runs, and it's shenanigans and bullshit and puppet strings. That's how most of us are manipulated and nationalism. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to get on the soapbox, but in order to correct that, you grow vertically, and then you can experience yourself as more than yourself. You expand your identity of who you are, and that's what Sensei is all about. Right, which is so in the program, we grow vertically and then we expand into horizontal oneness, which we talked about last episode with the collective consciousness. When you do this, when you start to navigate, which is 
Also, what the cluster's doing. They have gone to a higher state of consciousness to connect with each other, and then the borders no longer separate them. So on that beautiful metaphysical level, we have all of that. And when you do adjust yourself vertically into the higher consciousness, higher frequencies, and you open up, then that horizontal freedom also comes for you because no walls can stop you. Then on the more dense level, the darker side of this, the more physical side of this, we know he's talking about money, right? The higher up you go in money and power, and he's trying to entice Wolfgang to come in and and do the mafia as he wants, put him in the position with him in a connection. So what do we have going on in the United States where the writers are during this? We have this division in our country that is about this wall that doesn't exist physically, but does because there actually is actually already a border wall where it can be, but nobody is seeing that because they're seeing about this other wall, this fictitious wall that may sometimes come, the money that goes towards it. But what is it doing? It's dividing the people without any physical representation. And it's not dividing from Mexico to the United States. It's dividing the people in the United States who are nowhere near that physical location. And it's the hierarchy of who has money and power versus who doesn't have money and power that is really dividing the effects and limiting people and there's no way that this was an accident. Right. Well, and we touched on this on the last episode where we have certain narratives that take away, we give our power to the narrative, right? And we were talking about like the government's out to get you or this corporation and it makes you powerless because there's a story of separation and there's an experience of separation because of the story. So when you remove the story and you climb vertically, so to speak, and you become you expand your identity to include others on an experiential level, those stories no longer have power over you. But naturally, we give our sovereignty, our ability to respond, that is our responsibility, the ability to respond to a situation, we give that over to stories without a second thought. Right. We do. And it's interesting with Felix how bouncy he is in this, because He's really impressed. And he even says, like, you suckers or something like that to the people down below because he gets to be up here. And Zach, you and I had this discussion because I was like, wait, why are they suddenly shooting at Wolfgang? Because they're going after the other guy who was with his aunt that also wanted them. And that guy runs in front of Wolfgang for help. And Wolfgang is like, I'm not going down with you and shoots him aside. But then they run. And I was like, is it because they thought he was helping? But now I'm seeing because he went down. He went down to the other people. Felix also enjoys himself a lot when he's down there. He thinks that's a riot. And when the fight occurs, Felix is right by Wolfgang. But we see that bouncingness where Felix still kind of, wa- he wasn't, I mean, he is the sidekick a little bit. He wasn't yeah. born into this family of the mafia that he's getting that um, vicariously or by 
by proxy by being with Wolfgang. So he's still flirting with that power and that richness throughout the whole thing. But when it comes down to it, it's Wolfgang and it's the relationship that he chooses. But now to get to my point that I've been circling around is it's because he went down. Because when he went down, he made a statement that I choose this, not you. I'm not staying up in this high I'm not I'm not staying up in your vertical power, you know. Yeah, it was getting intense up there. Yeah, it was pretty intense down below too. Yeah. So wow. Wow. Like I didn't hear that line the first time. I mean, I know we say this a lot. Like this show has Well, there's a difference between hearing and listening. Yeah. yeah. There really is. And you have to kind of listen. Well, in the beginning you're listening. In the beginning, you're just trying to, there's so much. It, it's, it's so layered. That's why I love it. It's so layered that, you know, you can receive it in one layer and then the next and then the next as you grow, as we grow, and as we're exposed to it more, which is why it's just going to become more and more known as the world catches up. Sense8 has only started its impact in my opinion so we leave with the happy fucking new year fight and the clusters there helping and we know wolfgang is standing i don't think we know where felix is and you know what when this came out this was december 23rd that it came out and then it wasn't until may that we got the next season so we had to sit with this for a long time had I thought about it, I could have been rewatching it because we probably could have gotten a lot out of it during that time. <laughs> I like it. It's like this is put in. It's like digest this and then we'll get back to you. <laughs> it was a very long episode. It was a special episode. Oh, yeah. Episode, it so. was a special episode. It was special. It was Indeed. very special. Special like a penguin. All right. Big shout out to Sarah Applegate, the editor of the Live Sensate podcast. If you would like to interact with us with comments or questions, please do so at team at livesensate.com via email or on our Twitter account at live underscore sense eight. If you would love to help grow the show and get some exciting perks, deeper dives into lessons about sense eight and how to expand your identity and become more sensate as you will. You can grab those and more perks and extended contents over at patreon.com forward slash live sense eight so we can grow the show. Thank you very much for spending your time with us here today. And until next time, grow vertically. Vertically.